It's time for Michigan's newest sports talk show, Mitt Madness. And here he goes. Defense win championship. Michigan sports talk from here in Battle Creek. The latest stories, the biggest games, all across the Mitten State. There's not something play. Streaming live and on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app. Here are your hosts, Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. Hello there, welcome in to Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK. Jacob Harrison, brand manager of BCK, that's Dejon Hughes, brand manager of the Block 1025 and 1049 there in Battle Creek. We're going to have a lot of fun today because I'm back and I get to uh, get some recompense for all the trash that DJ talked about Alabama last week and, uh, you know, set him up some more for next week because I won't be on the show next week either because of the holidays. I'll be down in Alabama cheering on the Tide against the Michigan Wolves. Wolverines, although I can't lose because I support both teams. They'll one much more than the other, and I think whoever wins that game is going to win it all. But we'll get to some of that a little bit later. Uh, we'll also talk about Pistons and how bad that's going. We'll get into the Lions here in just a bit, but as we always do, and since I didn't get to ask you last week, DJ, how's it going, man? I'm okay. Yeah. Um, I somehow ended up in the third place game for my fantasy league. So that's awesome. That was a long way of saying you lost. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the the Packers are being that bad Packers kind of ambiance that happens before things break out in a couple of years. So that's that's fine. Um, but other than that, I'm I'm living, dude. It's all right. Michigan is is about to brave the storm and come out national champions pretty soon. Yeah, uh, I am playing the back-to-back champion in the playoffs this week after my bye week last week. Uh, so fantasy, I don't know, Puka Nakua Thursday night really helped me out a lot. Hell of a game from him. So uh, we'll see how much that helps. Um, as, as far as professional teams, I don't think any team in the NFL right now looks worse than the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, they won't have a draft pick to to kind of signify that. So, uh, but it was really cool last week to to get to see them in person. Uh, I was under the weather, but you know, timing of how you get better is is always what it is. Uh, but you know, they got absolutely thrashed by the Colts too. So I don't know. I'm living. It's the holidays. I'm you know I'm gonna go down to Alabama, see my kids, watch the watch them open up their gifts, and then hopefully watch the the tide roll in the Rose Bowl once again, as it did back in 2009 against Texas. And hey, who knows? Maybe we'll have a, a rematch. National championship in that department too, and uh, really shut up some haters if Alabama pulls it out that way. That would be fun. Uh, or maybe Michigan will win it all, and hey, it's well deserved. Uh, I don't think they've won a natty since uh, either of us were born. So, uh, well, I think at least you. I think they've won one when I was like less than five years old, but we'll see. Uh, I'm excited for both of those teams, but let's get started with the Lions. The Lions are a 10 and four team. Congrats. That's awesome. All they've got to do is win a game. (laughs) That's all they've got to do. Win a game and they win the North Uh, and they can do it this week in Minnesota against the Vikings. They are three point favorites over uh, the Vikings who are really kind of in a weird spot. They won that three nothing game against the, the, Raiders on the road and then last week only lost in overtime to the Bengals who since Joe Burrow has gone down have really looked pretty good but overall the Vikings have been up and down they benched Josh Dobbs uh, and now they're rolling with uh, Nick Mullins right the kid out of 
Southern Mississippi, the you know the only quarterback from that, <laughs> that college that you want to talk about anymore. Minnesota's in a weird spot, but they still have a pretty solid defense. Detroit hammered the Denver Broncos last week in prime time, and that was much needed after a weird loss to Chicago and a weird loss to Green Bay and a weird win over New Orleans uh, sandwiched in there and a tough win against Chicago Yeah, prior to the Thanksgiving loss. So a lot has been going on with both of these teams that they've kind of roller-coastered into this collision. Big thing for the Lions obviously is the opportunity to cement this. And obviously the Eagles are trending downward. They're on a three-game losing streak. So this is a really big opportunity. If if the Eagles continue that situation, the Lions could look at being the number two seed. And maybe with another lucky break, the Niners, though it doesn't seem likely, they could even be the number one. A lot can happen for the Lions as long as they handle business. What do they need to do to handle business against this weird Vikings team, though? Well, first off, I'm going to say that, yes, they need to just win a game within the next three weeks, but they need to win this game Yeah, to be particular because the only way the Lions don't win the NFC North is if they lose out. And that would also somehow mean the Vikings would most likely win out. Yeah. Because I can't remember who the Vikings play in between this Lions game, but I don't think they're as good a opponent as the Lions are going <laughs> to face in between these two games. The Vikings play the Packers next week. The Lions play the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> my, my point exactly. And if the Vikings win this first game, they're looking at a position where they're like, hey, we can definitely beat Green Bay. And then we get to go back and, and play the Lions again. And if we win, we have the first seed in the yeah, NFC That's a North. win in your in game. We, we win. Well, I mean, if they win two of the next three, they're in for sure. But like, it's it's weird with Minnesota and the position they're in. But if they win all three of these games, they're the first seed in the NFC North division. And it would all be the Lions' fault. So basically, you can nip that all in the bud by doing what? Controlling the trenches. Mm-hmm. Just go back to how you were at the beginning of the year, run it down their mouth, make sure they can't run the ball, and then put pressure on the quarterback when he's back to drop. And the Lions should be fine. I don't think they're going to have any problems scoring. They just got to make sure that they can stop this makeshift Vikings offense. Yeah, the uh, the Lions have done a good job offensively of controlling the line of scrimmage. 855 yards from David Montgomery on the season, 792 from Gibbs. That's a 4.8 and a 5.7 average uh, per carry, respectively, for both of those guys. And the Vikings have not done a good job of running the football. Alexander Madison, not it. Cam Akers hurt as soon as he got there. Overall, it seemed like with the Lions over the past several weeks is if they don't turn the ball over, they win. <laughs> if they turn the ball over a lot, they're going to have problems. Jared Goff has kind of went through some spurts where he's turned the ball over inexplicably and other times where he's playing as well as he needs to in order for this team to be where it wants to be, which is in the driver's seat to potentially challenge for a Super Bowl run or just a deep playoff run. Nonetheless, he's got the options in front of him, whether it be Amon Ross, St. Brown, Sam Laporta, Reynolds and Raymond have done their jobs throughout the season as well. You would like to see a little bit more out of a Jamison Williams. I think I would like to see a little bit more as well out of Jameer Gibbs in the passing game. But overall, that's where the Lions are going to be effective down this stretch, whether it's uh, against the Cowboys or the Vikings over these next three games. Their offense has to protect their defense because their defense has not played well. They're still waiting on C.J. Gardner-Johnson, uh, who I think is close to returning. And you're just you're in a space right now where you are, you've put yourself in a position where you have to play 
infallible because you, you kind of look at the landscape of this. You mentioned the only way that the Lions can miss the playoffs or not win the North. Not winning the North would probably cost them the playoffs. No, nah, they probably they'd get in. The NFC North or the NFC isn't good enough for them to not get in at with the South with at ten and 7. I'm looking at the at ten, at ten and seven. They're gonna get in. Well, the cow. Well, the East is gonna send two. Yes. And the West could send two. The West is not sending two. The Seahawks just beat the Eagles. The, e- the Seahawks are seven and seven. That's what I'm saying. So if, the Lions, if the and Lions lose out and the and the, the Vikings e- the, and the, the Seahawks, Seahawks win out. The Seahawks are not winning out. I'm saying it's a possibility. They're not. I'm, I'm Do you just, know who the Seahawks play next week? The Steelers. I mean, they've at least got one. Okay, maybe. <laughs> maybe. We've seen the Steelers beat teams that they shouldn't beat this year. So we're not going to say that. And don't and we can't forget either way the the Seahawks still have a tiebreaker over the Lions head-to-head. Right. Like, these are the types of things that, that can happen. Like, the NFL is sure. a bizarre thing. I'm not saying that Lions fans should be pessimistic over the next three weeks. I'm saying when you look at the way that the records of these three crucial teams line up, they just, they have to be infallible and they have to prove that they belong here. And I'm really just in a long-form speaking way agreeing with your initial point. They need to win this week. They don't need to lollygag and beat the Cowboys and the Vikings the second time around. They need to win this time, clinch the North, know where they're going to be, play next week for seeding, and then rest against the Vikings the, the final week unless the Vikings are playing to get into the playoffs somehow. I don't think that would be the case. Overall, this is just a mightily important game. No, nah, they'll be fighting. For sure. Because right now they have like... Well, they would be fighting against the Seahawks. It depends on how the Seahawks right. play over the next two or weeks. Or the Packers. Or the Packers. Packers as well. Yeah, because yeah, they yeah. play the Packers next mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Those are like the top three teams for the... Uh, Seattle's final three games, by the way. Just because, you know, worst case scenario, the Lions lose the next two games. Worst case scenario, the Seahawks play the Titans and Steelers, two AFC games that they should win and don't impact their conference standings whatsoever, and then close with the Cardinals, the team with the second-worst record in the NFL this year, or third-worst. They still got to win them. I, that puts, if they won it's those good, three, that puts chase. them at 10-7. and seven. A loss here against the Vikings would give them a leg up on getting close to 10-7 and seven alongside the Lions. Should they also lose to the, the Cowboys? I'm just saying, you win this game, you close the book on a lot of stuff. <laughs> You lose this game and a lot of things open up that shouldn't be open in the first place. And everybody's got to kind of put on their tinfoil hats and be like, okay, what, what's the, what's the mathematic equation? You don't want to be playing math this late in, in the season. I promise you I've been there too many times with my Steelers. It's not a comfortable feeling. I know the lions typically aren't even in the conversation at this point. So put yourself firmly in the race. 10 games is not a be-all, end-all, you're-in record. It's not. Win the division, go home, take it easy. That's my stance. I think they got it. Are you confident? Yeah. I don't think there's any concern here whatsoever. Like they, they're, I think they're going to win this game because they know how much is on the stock for it. And then... Maybe they even still play starters the last game because that might help with seeding because I think they're looking at the Cowboys' loss or the game is more of a loss than a chance at a win. So you're confident this week the the Lions split with the other two division rivals. Do they sweep the Vikings? What was that? Said the Lions split with the other two division rivals, but you're confident they'll beat the Vikings this week. Do you think they sweep the Vikings? Maybe. It depends on what happens in Dallas. 
if they somehow come out with a win against Dallas, it won't matter, and they'll sit. True. Sure. All right, that'll close the book on the Lions for this week. Both of us confident that they that they win. Both of us stressing that it's important that they do so. Obviously, all games are must win, but uh, you don't want to open the book to to mathematics in those final weeks. When we come back, we're going to talk about a team that uh, is tired of seeing certain numbers go up. <laughs> that being in the right hand column, the Detroit Pistons. Next here on Mitten Madness, ninety five point three WBCK three hundred. Madness 95.3 WBCK Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. We're going to talk about the Detroit Pistons who are now two and 26. They have lost 25 games in a row, which is dangerously close uh, to the NBA record for most losses in a row held by the Philadelphia 76ers at 28 games which started in the 2014-15 season and carried over to the 2015-16 season. And when we were kind of in pre-production, I guess that's what we can call it, and we were discussing this situation, I mentioned the Sixers were losing on purpose back then. The Pistons aren't losing on purpose. And I think uh, Kate Cunningham put it about as plainly as you can. They're not 2-26 and 26 bad. No way are they that bad. Uh, paraphrasing a quote from him after the game. And he's been playing about as well as you could hope. Uh, I, I think certainly could probably play a little bit better, but th- at that point you're getting into hero ball, right? And, and talking about a dude being generational and it doesn't matter what he does he's you know the the second coming or whatever uh i don't think it's that that critical uh but as these losses continue to stack up and you can look down the record if you want to i think it's a dangerous thing to do uh but i mean they, there's a real shot that they could have a losing season cemented before we get halfway through january and that to me is pure mind-boggling i can't i can't even wrap my head around being that that inept that bad uh you look around the the rest of the nba and there are not teams with records quite this bad it's it's a rough situation i mean uh the wizards are bad they're five and 22 the spurs are bad they're four and 23 uh and those are the closest records but i mean two wins leading into the christmas weekend there's a lot to overcome here for for the pistons and it's a team that had a little bit higher expectations than this it's troubling in in this is a front office thing, troubles. And that's the troubles the Detroit Pistons have had for years. There's so much talent on this team. And that's what Kay is talking about when he says they're not a 2-26 and team. Yeah. They're not. This team could easily be somewhere around 500. But instead, the front office hired a guy in Monty Williams that they saw have one of the best teams the NBA has ever seen in Phoenix – still not win a championship with that Phoenix team and bring him over here like he's supposed to do something great with the Pistons. He's not. He's not doing what he's supposed to do. I've talked about it before, especially in the NBA. Your only job as a coach in the NBA is to argue with referees to try and get the right calls or try and get an extra leg up or whatever the case may be 
and put the right five players on the floor. And sure, you can get away with not arguing with refs as much because you don't believe in that philosophy as a coach and you think it's more about what's actually happening on the court with the players. But you're still not putting the right five on the floor, which means you're just completely not doing your job as a coach, Monty Williams. This isn't about Cade or Jay Nivey or Jalen Duran or Bogdanovich or Stu or anybody else on the team. I get, I get guys want to get rid of you know, certain players and trade them. And that's a normal fan thing to do because they're just trying to figure out what's going to help their team get back to the top. Not upset at any fans that's doing that. But at the end of the day, it's not these players' fault. These players have been doing their job and playing well and using the same skill that had the GM point them out in college and ask to draft them or saw them on another team and wanted to go out and get them in free agency. It's Monty Williams that is holding this team back. He's the one that should be getting the, you know, the, the aggression from the fans because in all reality, he is not setting them up for success. A uh, he came out of that that loss to the Jazz one nineteen to one eleven, uh, which the the Pistons lost at home uh, on the twenty first of December. Said, "quote I want to be very careful with my words because this one hurts more than most of them. A team that played last night got fifty points off turnovers and rebounds. It is unbelievably hard to understand how we can get, how we can get outworked in those categories uh, during that loss." The crowd there in Detroit, Little Caesars Arena, chanted, sell the team repeatedly. Uh, And now, and and I tend to agree with you because you list off names. You just look at the roster and you see a team that makes sense. Like, sure, they're not playoff contenders. You know, nobody's expecting a immediate turnaround, but you at least expected considerable growth after a couple of years of, of really absolute pain. And so far, you've been mostly healthy. Uh, your superstars are at least out there, and Kay Cunningham is playing very, very well. Coming out of the preseason, this was a team that had not a lot of hype around it, but was at least a confirmation, I guess, which the preseason can be dangerous uh, in all sports, but it was a, it felt like a confirmation that it was a team that could do something, you know, that, that could win some games, and maybe a couple of them not games that they're necessarily supposed to win. But we're, we're getting into the thick of things, and early in the season, I was, you know, I thought that they were losing games big, and and you kind of assured me, no, that's not really the case. They're, they're a little bit closer than, than you think. Uh, we're now getting to the point since Thanksgiving, a 23 point loss to Indiana. That's understandable, but you follow that up with a uh, 19 point loss to, to Washington of all teams got smacked by, uh, by the Lakers uh, did squeeze a close one against the Knicks uh, nine point loss to Cleveland, 14 point loss to Memphis, absolutely gobsmacked by Orlando smacked again by Indiana smacked by the the Sixers smacked even harder the next time around by the Sixers destroyed by Milwaukee close loss to Atlanta and now a eight point loss to Utah with Brooklyn on the horizon Boston on the horizon Toronto it doesn't get easier and DJ you, you, you joke. Uh, and I don't know if you wanted me to bring this to the surface or not, but you joked. You're going to go see them on January 28th when they host the Oklahoma City Thunder. Between now and then, the Pistons play and host San Antonio and Washington, and they make a trip to Washington as well. They also play Charlotte and Houston. Those are the winnable games between now and then. Do the Pistons win a game by January 28th? Part of me says yes because <laughs> they can't go on forever without winning a game. Like it, it, 
the, it's things gotta have, happen. Things have to go right for them eventually. Like they're not gonna go the rest of the season without winning a game. But another piece of me says I don't want them to because I think it would be amazing for me to be sitting in Little Caesars Arena in a seat, twelfth row, to see their next victory, and then I can come back here on Monday and get a five-piece for lunch the next day because they finally won another game. <laughs> that would be awesome if I could get that back-to-back. I get to enjoy the game, be there, get a nice crew neck with my college colors on it, and then come back here and get a five-piece the next day because I was there for their most recent victory. I mean, granted, everybody's getting a five-piece when they win another game. I just think it would be cool if I was at the game that they won and then I can get that five-piece as well. Like. Um, so obviously we asked that in jest. They're going to win a game. They're not going to have a 40 game losing streak. That, that said, they only have so many opportunities. Um, they're at a 25 game losing streak. The record is 28. Their next three games are two against Brooklyn, one on the road, one at home. Uh, and then a road trip to Boston would be that 28th. The 29th game would be Toronto at home. Don't anticipate they're going to win any of those. Uh, But then they go on the road on New Year's Day to play the Houston Rockets. Within that four-game stretch, I think that's more of a legitimate question. Are they going to set a new record in the NBA? Do they hit that 30-game deal in Toronto? And is Houston really the best opportunity they have to break this streak? I don't know if Houston is. I think we're still looking more at, like, Washington. Oh, that's a long way or away. Or San Antonio. Like Those are a um, long way away. <laughs> maybe even Portland. Like teams that are really struggling against other teams. Like Houston just like earlier this last month, they went on like a six or seven game win streak. Like Houston's got some talent and is able to pull out some wins. Like you're looking They're more doing at, what you would hope Detroit would be doing. Right. You're looking more at a San Antonio, a Portland, a Charlotte, uh Washington. Those are the teams that you kind of want to aim at in terms of getting back on the board and, and resetting how you win games. Well, you, you don't even get a, a shot. You get one shot with Portland in February. Uh, these upcoming opportunity uh, opportunities against Washington and San Antonio are, are really crucial just to get some wins. But I don't know. I mean, I guess the one positive outlook on this, though, I, I know the pessimism of some Detroit sports fans, and I give you every reason, to, every right excuse me, to be pessimistic about this. Uh, but, you know, if if you set this record and then you go on to have some more losing streaks, I think you're really set up to to have the best percentage odds to have that number one overall pick. Now, I don't know, you know, there, there's not a Wemby coming out in this this draft, but you're at least giving yourself an opportunity, I guess. I'm scared for them to get another really high draft pick. But they, they, I, just, they were supposed to get number one last year and it didn't Cade, happen. Cade was a good pick. Yeah, Cade was a good pick, but that was like the first good pick they've had that early in a a long, long time. Oh yeah, long time. But and, and they don't they don't they don't do that well. Yeah, they, they well, don't. and I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a name out there that is like, oh, you got to have this guy because I don't think Bronny James is coming out after one year. So it's like, uh, I mean, he could. Don't get me wrong. No, he won't. But but it's a. It's almost like a lose-lose situation. I understand the pessimism that goes around that, and I don't know. It's it's tough. I I uh, I have I have much sympathy for you, Detroit Pistons fans. Uh, I I can't imagine that this is 
gone on for too long. And and again, like you could you could go back and be like, oh well, you could just do what the Sixers did. The Sixers had a plan, like right? They, they lost on purpose and they nailed their draft picks for the most part, and then became a, a contender. They haven't necessarily done anything with it. You can lose into becoming a good team, but if if you think you're supposed to be good and then you're not, I mean, that kills all morale. So rough going. Uh, didn't have time to get into the Red Wings there, but uh, we'll come back and uh, continue the conversation. Get probably get into uh, some college football. We've got our picks as well here on Mitten Madness ninety five point three W. Detroit sports fans, Wolverines and Spartans alike. This is your sports show. Mitten Madness with Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes on 95.3 WBCK. We're back here on Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK. It's our short segment, so we're going to just kind of run through the college football playoff situation here really quick. First of all, like right before we started recording uh, yesterday, that's when news broke that Florida State is going to sue the ACC, or actually has sued the ACC. So uh, we'll continue to see kind of how that's going to develop. I think that kind of leads to the, the departure of the Seminoles to the SEC, which I'm not so sure. I'm not sold on that being a good idea for them. Uh, DJ, you and I were talking earlier in the week. What happened this year is not something that is going to happen ever again. You're never going to go undefeated in a power conference now that there are only four and there will be more playoffs. You're never going to go undefeated in a power conference and miss out on the postseason ever again. There's more, There's going to be more spots next year. They might revisit how the playoffs look, but there will be more spots and there are fewer power conferences. Uh, however, you don't want to be in a situation where you are a one or two loss team in the ACC squaring up with a one or two loss team in the SEC vying for one of those last few wild card spots in the playoffs. So I get it, but I do question whether or not this is the right move because keep in mind, Florida State has only won the conference twice in the past 10 years, and that was the first year of that decade and the last year. Um, overall, getting back to uh, the four teams that were selected, I want to start with Texas and Washington. I don't know how many times, DJ, I have to look at a Washington matchup predictor on ESPN be so overwhelmingly in favor of the other team just for them to come out and win the game. I really like Washington to make it to the college football playoff. Uh, I really like the way that their offense produces, but I especially like their defense. And I think as long as Washington's offense plays the way that it should, you know, by getting the ball to Odunz, uh, I'm probably butchering that name. Odunze. Odunze. Uh, and, and the other playmakers they have, Penix protecting the football, they're their defense, I think, has what it takes to put enough pressure on Quinn Ewers to force him into making mistakes. Because uh, Quinn Ewers is a very up-and-down quarterback. 21 touchdowns, 6 picks, just over 3,000 yards. Those numbers pale in comparison to Mike, uh, to Penix Jr. So, overall, I've got a lot of faith in Washington in, in this one. Uh, where do you stand at this point in the Sugar Bowl between Texas and Washington? If you want me to be honest, the Sugar Bowl doesn't mean too much to me. Um, I think there's a lot of history tied into that matchup alone in the last time that they faced off with each other and then um, but more importantly their matchups with Michigan are both going to be historic and they're both kind of in favor of Michigan kind of flipping things back around and uh 
winning because the last time they faced a Washington team, they lost. And it was, I believe, either at the Rose Bowl or the National Championship. It was it was a big-time bowl game that they lost to Washington the last time they played them in the in the 90s. So I would love for Michigan to flip it over against them. And we, we've seen time and time again, Texas and Michigan face off in big-time games, and it goes back and forth. And I believe Texas got the last one, so kind of Michigan's turn. So in my opinion, it doesn't really matter who comes out of that game. I think it'll be exciting when they play Michigan either way. It's going to be an exciting game when Texas with Quinn Ewers and everything that's going on with with his arm and, and the talent that they have down there and if Xavier Worthy will play or not and and you know all that offensive talent going against the Michigan defense and then Michigan just simply are they going to be able to be in a Big 12 style game where the offenses are really popping off and they need a bunch of points and then kind of the same thing with Washington can Washington adjust to Big Ten play, or is Michigan going to have to kind of play the Pac-12 style for this game and come out with a win? I am just excited for whatever the matchup is going to be. So I'm going to do this just for the Washington, Texas, and Michigan. I'm not going to get into the Alabama aspect of it, but Washington is 2-3 and three all time against Texas. The last time they played was actually uh, last year in the Valero Alamo Bowl. Uh, Washington won that one 27-20. The Michigan Wolverines have a 8-5 to five record over Washington. Washington two game winning streak having beaten them in 2021 and 2002 they've met uh four times in the Rose Bowl and they are two and two against each other in the Rose Bowl Texas and Michigan have played one time the 2005 Rose Bowl winning 38 to 37 uh that being the Longhorns so I don't know if if Michigan does pull it out against Alabama I think it's very fun matchups on that with teams that Michigan doesn't have a ton of success over uh, historically, but in the end, when we get to the uh, Alabama-Michigan game in the Rose Bowl, you know I'm going to stick with Alabama. You know I'm going to pick Alabama. My alma mater. It's it's no different than anybody else here in Michigan, right? But what you're not going to get out of me ever is the typical ignorant Alabama fan, right? I'm going to support my team in the playoffs. I believe Florida State got screwed. We've talked about all this. Uh, What I think might be the difference in this game is explosiveness and also managing turnovers. Now, both of those sound very, very obvious, but here's why. When Jalen Milrow is able to make exciting plays, have you ever played Madden, right, audience, where, you know, I don't know how much of our audience plays Madden, but if you ever played Madden and, like, a, a player gets into the X factor, he gets into the zone, and, like, he just becomes unstoppable, that's Jalen Milrow. But if you play the modern Maddens, too, there's also a momentum meter on the top, and when that meter goes completely away from you, you just can't not make make mistakes. That's also Jalen Milrow. He goes with the flow of the game. He's not overtly special, but he can be if the momentum of the game is in his favor and he's making plays. If Michigan gets out to a early lead and really is able to control the clock and the ground, which they're able to do and force him into making big plays, that's a recipe for disaster for Alabama. If Alabama is just keeping pace with Michigan and is making bigger plays. That's a recipe for disaster for Michigan. And if, and I think it's Alabama's turnovers, their potential. If Milrow throws two picks in this game, Alabama's not winning, period, point blank. I don't think so. Uh, He doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. Don't get me wrong. He doesn't turn the ball over a lot. But I would be sincerely more concerned about him turning the ball over than J.J. McCarthy or Blake Corum or anybody on wearing blue and maize. I'll say this as an Alabama fan rooting 
against Michigan. There are more ways for Michigan to win this game than there are for Alabama. More ways. But the way that Alabama wins the game is incredibly probable, if that can make sense. Because Jalen Milroe can make these big plays. Alabama can get enough out of their running game to control the line of scrimmage. And the passing game for Alabama isn't the most consistent, but when it hits, it hits. And it hits hard and it hits big. And Milroe's dangerous on his legs, and I'm not convinced that while Michigan does have a good defense, don't get me wrong, they don't have this encompassing defense that is going to swarm Milrow to such a degree. And keep in mind, like, look, Alabama hasn't played anybody like Blake Corum, so I'm not I'm not singling this out. Michigan hasn't played anybody like Jalen Milrow either, right? And I'm not so sure Michigan has had to defend anybody like Dallas Turner. And I'm not so sure uh, Wilson has had to line up against somebody like Kool-Aid McKinstry, right? I know my team a little bit better than I know Michigan's, and I know that might upset some people, but overall... I think Alabama wins because the way that they can win is more probable than the multiple ways that Michigan can win. Any last words? Take it easy on me next week. I just know, DJ, just know that if if Alabama wins, I am not going to come into this office and dog everybody. Like, you've got the one Alabama fan in the world, probably, that won't do that. So just take it easy on me if Michigan does win, <laughs> you know? I will say something for all of a day. All of that, that, that next Monday, or not Monday, sorry, Tuesday, when we're all back on the second, I'll just let you have it, and I won't say anything. Actually, I'll keep it all until... Friday, right? Until we do Mid Madness, I won't say a word <laughs> about it, and I'll let it loose all on that. Here. I have a hard time believing. <laughs> I, I, I will, I will. You have my word right now. I, I got you. I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the day after, and I'll give you Mid Madness. Okay, that, that way okay. the people can enjoy it yeah, too. But I'll, I'll give you a few texts. But yeah, I mean, you can ask Kevin. I didn't give him any grief last year when uh, Alabama beat Kansas State. I, you know, it, it's business as usual for Alabama, and I've seen my team win more natties than most people should be allowed to. Uh, If Michigan wins this game, they have my full support. I have roots back to Michigan and I very much love living in this state and that's the side of that rivalry that I that I adhere to uh, when it comes to Michigan, Michigan State. So Michigan has my full support. They had my full support last year. They just got to get through the tide first and uh, good luck because Nick Saban knows what he's doing. (laughs) Well, y'all heard what he's got to say. He won't be here next week. But I'll be holding it down, making sure everything gets in. We'll get the picks for that game next week. But the best part of the show is only around the corner. Don't go anywhere. More Mid Madness coming to you on 95.3. 95.3 WBCK. segment because this one's going to be a little bit weird so to update you on how things went last week i was absolutely atrocious i had a one in five record jacob catching up a little bit at four and two so we currently stand at me 70 and 32 jacob's only three games behind at 67 and 35 he's going to step in and we're going to do some rapid fire bowl games that are not going to go against our record and then we'll hop in big time and do our normal picks as always. Little known fact, your boy went to Troy University for a couple of years and Troy without their head coach uh, who led them to such an incredible season are going to play Duke. Troy, Duke, protective stadium. It's in the uh, 76 Birmingham Bowl. I don't know why it's sponsored by 76. There is not a 76 gas station within 500 miles of Alabama, 
but that's the game. Troy, Duke, who wins? Troy. Troy, I like it. Uh, James Madison, Air Force. This is also on December 23rd. Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. James Madison wins because they weren't even technically supposed to be in it, so they're riding that momentum of oh, yeah. sneaking in. Oh, yeah. I, I, like, I like the Dukes. Give me James Madison. I love the scenario of this game. It is the 68 Ventures Bowl, which is hosted at Hancock Whitney Stadium. And if you don't know, that's in Mobile, Alabama, home of the South Alabama Jaguars. However, Eastern Michigan is the home team in this game against the South Alabama Jaguars. The Jags are still favored by 17, but I'd like to ask, who's going to win? The team from my backyard or the team from your backyard? The team from your South Alabama. <laughs> South Alabama's pretty good. Uh, I, you know, if only Troy or South can win, I hope it's Troy. Uh, Utah, Northwestern. That's a weird game. I didn't expect uh, Northwestern to be uh, ball eligible, and I didn't expect Utah to be playing their bowl game on December 23rd, but they are playing in the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl at Allegiant Stadium. Who wins? Uh, I think Utah will. I think the, the travel will be a factor for Northwestern. Quick Lane Bowl. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Utah as well. Quick Lane Bowl. Bowling Green at Minnesota at Ford Field. Who wins that one? Minnesota, three-point favorite. I like Bowling Green. I don't. Uh, their colors are too Cleveland Brownie. I'm going to take Minnesota. Uh, next one. Uh, no, I'm going to skip that one. We're not, we're not going to do that one. Uh, Monday, December 27th. That's when these games are North Carolina at West Virginia bank of America stadium in Charlotte for the Dukes Mayo bowl. Who's getting covered in some mayonnaise. Was I going to say anything else? Derogatory promise. North Carolina. (laughs) Give me North Carolina as well. Neil Brown, better luck somewhere else. I don't think, I think that's his last stand with the, uh, Mountaineers. Uh, are, don't let me take a game that we're probably doing. Are we doing Louisville USC? No. Direct TV Holiday Bowl. They're in San Diego. Louisville is number 15. Lost some stupid games that they shouldn't have lost. Uh, USC lost a lot more games than they should have. Who's going to win between the Cardinals and the Trojans? Cardinals. Down to... I think that might be all of them, so I'll just uh, squeeze one more in here. Just for fun, the Military Bowl presented by GoBowling.com. That's too long of a name. Shorten it. Virginia Tech at Tulane. You Tulane. Not even close. <laughs> Tulane. Give me Tulane. I'll also take uh, Louisville as well, uh, just in the off chance that Caleb Williams is not playing in that game. I'm, I don't know if he is, but I doubt it. Cool. All right. You're up. You can go, you can take first. All right. We're going to be moving fast through these because of time restrictions. That's just how life works. Starting with the first ranked college bowl game of the week. Well, technically the last one because <laughs> it's not till Friday. But Ohio State, Missouri, Big Ten Wolf. versus SEC. Time to find out which one is better. Who you got? I would like to know if Kyle McCord is going to play in the game. I should have done some homework, huh? Uh, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to stick with the SEC. I'm going to go with Missouri. Well, we are at our first split game of the week. As much as I hate them, I'm going to go with them. I think all the guys that did, that a lot of people think may, might not play will play. Marvin Harrison Jr., Agbuka, McCord, all those guys are going to play. 
They want to end on a good note and possibly come back next year. A lot of those guys have said that. So they're going to come back next year. They're going to play in this game and try and build that momentum to get into next year. One of the best named bowls, the Pop-Tarts Bowl down in Orlando. Number 18, NC State, the Wolfpack, taking on the Wildcats, the number 25, Kansas State. Who wins that one? Give me K-State, no question. I like Kansas State all the way. North Carolina State has some nice things this year. They were 9-3, and three, but in the ACC at 9-3, and three, that's not beating uh, a Kansas State who's looked good the last couple of years. Meatball on RKR will be very pleased to know that we are both going to take Kansas State in that game. And next game on the list, last bowl game for us in our picks, Arizona, 9-3, and going to take on 10-2 and two Oklahoma. Pac-12, Big 12, neither one of these conferences ever really play a lot of defense, so over is probably a hit here. Who's taking home the trophy in whatever bowl game this is because I already forgot. It is the Valero Alamo Bowl down in San Antonio, Texas. I, um, I, Arizona's a three-point favorite, but Oklahoma has a 75% chance to win on the matchup predictor on ESPN. That's interesting. Uh, I've got a feeling that the Pac-12 is going to perform really well throughout this bowl season. One last hurrah. They had a hell of a season. Why not? I can't believe I'm doing this. Give me Arizona. I'm taking Zona as well, but I think it's because Dylan Gabriel is not going to play and he doesn't want to ruin his chances of playing at Oregon next year because he's going to be a quarterback battle with Dante Moore. So I don't think he wants to risk an injury here, and I'm going to give the edge to Zona. That makes sense. Let's get into some uh, NFL games. I've got up first the return of C.J. Stroud. I know we're not supposed to be too uh, high on him around here, but the Texans are 8-6 and six, right in the thick of things. The Cleveland Browns are somehow playing good football with Joe Flacco at quarterback. I want to dead fish off this building because I had to say that sentence out loud, DJ. They're 9-5. and five. This is a huge game for playoff seeding and for... <laughs> Who could make the playoffs? Uh, nobody will be eliminated from it, but the Browns are three-point favorites. Who's going to win this in- enormous game down in Houston? Well, they say defense wins championships. I think this game is going to be close due to some injuries on the offensive side for Houston outside of C.J. Stroud, even though he's coming back. And, and somehow, Browns win a very close game by three I- or less. I really need the Browns to win this game because <laughs> I need Jacksonville to win the AFC South. Uh but I, uh, it feels weird and gross, but I'm going to go with the Browns. And up next, probably biggest game, well, second biggest game of the week, because the one that you're ending us on is crazy good. <laughs> Cowboys Dolphins, both sitting at 10 and four, both looking to try and clinch up their division soon and both looking for nice seeds in the playoffs. You need the Dolphins to lose if that futures bet is going to hit. And the Cowboys just need good luck to continue to come their way. How does this one shake out? The the Cowboys need one. They I, they got lamb blasted by the Bills last week, uh, and the Dolphins took care of the Jets and eliminated from from the playoffs, which killed one of my bets. So you know what I need in revenge? I need the Cowboys to win this thing and knock the Dolphins down a few pegs. Uh, I will personally be rooting for the Dolphins, but I do hope the Cowboys will win, and I do think the Cowboys will win. I think they're a lot better than what they showed last week. Uh, give me the Cowboys. Also, I mean, we're going to say this about the, the last game we're picking, but sneaky, sneaky Super Bowl matchup preview potentially. 
I like the Cowboys here as well, but for a different reason. Their defense got exposed last week, and they didn't like a lot of things that were said about them. Mm. And this defense is one of the best in the in the league right now. The best. I think they're going to come back and prove how good they are, and that's tough for a Dolphins team that has a questionable running game. So they're not going to be able to necessarily have that full funnel approach like they've had all year. And that's coming from someone who has Raheem Mostert on his fantasy team. Same. <laughs> Same. I, no, I completely get what you're saying. He scores touchdowns. That's really it, guys. <laughs> like, he's having an incredible season because he's in the end zone. Otherwise, it'd be very pedestrian. Uh, last game... A lot of people have this pegged as the Super Bowl matchup at this point in the season because these are the two teams in each conference that are playing the best football. The Baltimore Ravens are heading out to Levi Stadium to play the best team in the NFL, by my account, the San Francisco 49ers. Both of these teams decimated their opposition last week. The 49ers are somehow a five-point favorite in this game. Uh, they are considerably more healthy, if you ask me, just by glancing quickly at the uh, injury report. They have a 64% chance of winning the game, but it should be a good one nonetheless uh, on Christmas night. Who wins it? Ravens, Niners. I got the 49ers. I think this one's simple for me. Um, the the Baltimore Ravens have been playing very good all year, but their decision-making in the fourth quarter is questionable. And a team you can't make questionable decisions against in crunch time is the 49ers. They will make you pay for it. They're very healthy, and their offense is thriving at an unreal rate right now. I can't pick against them until they lose. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm at that point. I know the Niners had a bit of a rough stretch, and I was picking against them for no good reason, and it really cost me a lot of games in this. I'm not making that mistake again. 49ers win this one easy. So I've got Ohio State. You've got Missouri. We both have Zona, K-State, Cowboys, 49ers, and Browns. I had to play it safe, kind of. There were some of these games I was thinking about flipping, but I was like, I got to take what he's going to take. I got to keep this lead. It's a little tight, but you can get, you can get one game closer. So go ahead and get us out of here so we can enjoy an amazing holiday weekend. Yeah. A lot of stuff coming up on BCK. Uh, I I don't have the full schedule in front of me, uh, but there's, Plenty of NFL action from Westwood One. We will also have the uh, that includes a triple header on Christmas uh, as well as games tomorrow uh, on Christmas Eve. And we'll also have the Michigan-Alabama Rose Bowl game here on WBCK. All those loaded in, all those with the absolute green light that they are going to work properly. Uh, so enjoy your holidays. I will see you guys in two weeks. DJ, I'll take care of you for two hours next week. And uh, we'll next time we talk, we'll know who's going to be playing in the College Football National Championship. We might know if the Detroit Lions are going to play in the playoffs uh, or at least have an NFC North division win. So it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks. Hope you all have a fantastic holiday and a happy new year. For Dejon Hughes, I'm Jacob Harrison. This is Mitten Madness. Until next week. Join Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for Mitten Madness on 95.3 WBCK. Miss the show or want to play it back? Stream Mitten Madness live or on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app.